The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. What's going on? Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Hope you're having a good Wednesday. A couple different things happening today. Boy, big news day. Uh, Big 10 decision is official. There is all kinds of confusion in California about what's going on in the Pac-12. (laughs) It is so confusing. As the day goes on, it doesn't get even any more close. Uh, any closer to being any clearer. John Wilner's got a great job of trying to make sense of it, and he's, he's doing his best, and it doesn't make sense. Uh, so we've got that. We're going to cover the NCAA Division One Council expected to have an official decision today. That official decision has not yet been released, but there are sources that are giving us some indications of what's going to happen. So they've just announced it. Oh, did they? Just barely? Yeah, according to Andy Katz, the Division One Council has announced that the start uh, start date of college basketball season will begin November 25th. The start of practice, Eric, will begin October 14th. Max number of games have been reduced by 4 to 27. Minimum number of games is 13. No scrimmages or exhibitions uh, this year. Recommendation for minimum four non-conference games. Uh, and w- along with that... Jeff Goodman's also reporting that the council has voted that 12 hours total, Eric, 12 hours total, eight on the court will begin September 21st. Practice will start October 14th. Again, it's been reduced to 27 games, so minus four. Who? Okay. So we need to do some research and look at the schedule and see what we miss out on. And Eric, only four non-conference games. So the question to you is... uh, do you take what you get in Orlando at that Myrtle Beach tournament, or do you schedule? Do you take four other non-conference games and say let's let's see if we can do any better? Utah State's not going to find a better non-conference schedule than what they'll than get Orlando in the bubble in the uh, Myrtle Beach. Uh, it is a bracket. I did look it up. It is. Oh, a bracket. it is. It's not okay, around. So I was wrong. I apologize. But you are guaranteed like three games. Yeah. So uh, it kind of depends on who you line up against, I guess. But it's a pretty good field. Uh, so good, good teams participating in that. So do you do that, and then BYU is that your non-conference? Yeah. If you can only have four non-conference games, so three in Orlando, and then the one at uh, one home against BYU with no fans. So that just is a bummer. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's so. Here's the thing: is if we, I guess, there's no Utah State basketball schedule out there, huh? That was released. So we don't know what they're non. We don't know what the schedule was going to look like before November twenty fifth. No, the Mountain West never officially released the schedule for the upcoming year, which actually might have been a smart thing to do, <laughs> considering considering all that was going on. That might have been a really smart thing to do, uh, Eric. So you take three Orlando games, and that probably includes, and hopefully would include Davidson. You might get Pitt. You might get Nebraska. That's three. I guess two power fives and one high mid-major. Then you take BYU, who is a very high mid-major. I would assume we'll be ranked in the preseason top 25. 
despite what they lose. They they still really? have a, you think they would, dude? They're gonna be good. They're I mean, gonna they, be they have so benefited good. from some pretty notable transfers. Yeah, the transfer market for them has been very nice, to say the least. Uh, Jeff Borzello on ESPN has uh, fleshed out quite a bit more detail about the start of the, the season starting November 25th um, and uh, by Thanksgiving week 76% of all Division One schools will have either finished their fall semester completely or released the general student body for in-person instruction. That's according to NCAA Senior Vice President of Basketball, Dan Gavitt, on a webinar last week. And so that's why they're uh, they're moving towards that date so that uh, they can get some college basketball games in before students kind of really come back en masse and could create um, potentially a second problem after they go home or the more students on campus, whatnot. But, but the uh, Gavitt has also said that the NCAA is still planning for the NCAA tournament with 68 teams and 14 sites in March and April. Good. Now the question is, Eric, will we have fans at those games? Yeah, Does anything change from October, or excuse me, September now, or even November this year, to March of next year, where we say, yeah, we can have a full arena, because you know it will be a full arena, March Madness, one-year absence, coming back, you know people want to go. Will they allow that to happen? That's a that's a big question right there. I mean, the revenue would be amazing. Uh, hey, so let me ask you the the eight hours of practice or whatever that is. Is that if you if I'm doing my math right and you practice for an hour and a half Monday, hour and a half Tuesday, that's three, Thursday Friday, that's four. But you, I mean, how long do you usually practice for four two hours a day for college basketball? Do you know how long? I don't no, even know. I don't know. Good question. Yeah, I think it's like an hour. I mean, so you could actually limit to, and I say limit it to an hour and a half long court, and you're still looking to see Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and you hadn't even hit the eight hour mark yet. That's that's going to be interesting how they have to handle that. Uh, 9315 is texted into the program. Reminder, if you want to text in with a question or a comment, 435-339-0321. And this comment from 9315 says, Too bad they can't make the BYU-Utah State basketball game a Facebook game so you can get fan participation. What am I missing here? Well, when they... Because Facebook has, uh, well, Utah State has had several games, several football games broadcast on Facebook. And then there's a lot of fan back and forth. You can comment and trash talk each other in the comments as the, the game is going on. And I don't, I'm guessing that's what 9315 is alluding to here as well. I'm not aware that there were very many basketball games that were done that way. I think it was more football. It was, yeah, it was more football, and I think they based it... In- not only for just viewership, but also time. So, I mean, they're going to have a game at 2 o'clock, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, and you still have your whole evening. And I think that's what uh, was a big uh, was a big push. Yeah, that's that's good news. It's good to, it's good to have some good news in, in the college athletics world because we're sitting among Unless you live in California. 
Yeah. How about Unless that? Unless you live in California. And then you if you had any hair before, you've pulled it out since. Yeah, if you were not drinking then, you are now. This is just this is bad all over the place. From Gavin Newsom to to Larry Scott, this is just complete uh inaccountability and, and responsibility and not and, and it's more of a he said she said thing. Um did you read it's utter chaos. Did you read John Wilner's article? Yes. Yes, I have Holy it pulled up crap. open right now. So it started, so the, the Big Ten made their decision. They said, yes, we are going to go forward. We're going to play games. And so then everybody has pivoted to the Pac-12 looking at them like, okay, you're the last of the power conferences. Everybody else has figured a way to make this work. What about you guys? Are you going to make it happen? <laughs> and so there's been increasing pressure as it looks, as it looked more and more likely that that was going to be the case with the Big Ten, and so Governor Gavin Newsom has a news conference today and says, and I quote, "There is nothing in the state guidelines that denies the Pac-12 from having conference games," and he calls any any reporting to the contrary a misrepresentation of the facts. So, what what has been going on the last couple of months in California? But it gets better. He says there's nothing in the rules that says you can't play. But then in the same statement, he says, yes, we do have rules that limit uh, practices of anything more than 12 people. How do you practice and prepare a football team if you can't practice more than 12 people at a time? Uh, Yeah, can we just get the five linemen versus the five offensive linemen? Just pretend there's a quarterback. All right, now let's get the quarterback and two receivers and get uh, a few defenders out there. Like it just doesn't make any sense. It's not it's not compatible to have a football season if you if you're limited like that on the practice field. So John Wilner does a great job. Oh, and he's this been is so on this all day. So uh, mercurynews.com search John Wilner. It's such good stuff. So uh, everybody's been asking, so the NFL can play in California. Major League Baseball can play in California. Major League Soccer can play in California. Um, but there are explicit rules that say institutions of higher education uh, has you know, cannot have anybody playing or practicing in groups of 12 people or more. So... John Wilner reaches out to a a state health official to say, how did you explain this? The governor says teams can play, but the rules say you can't have anything more than 12 people. And so the answer is this. Teams can find workarounds to 11-on-11 practices. They can have walkthroughs. They can practice against air. They can use virtual reality Good and hell. tackle dummies. That's so bad. They can use mental exercises. What? Okay, I want what you to picture. What in the world okay, is imagine. going on in so California? here they are with yoga music on, sitting Indian style, whatever, legs crossed, and with hands in the air and eyes closed. Their intense defensive coordinator is shouting instructions at them about how to defend uh, a five-spread empty back set with four routes coming across. Like, 
What the heck? Did, did anybody see what Navy looked like Mental, in week one? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's what I would have responded with, by the way. I would have said, so the Navy-BYU game, they just didn't do enough mental exercising. They, they admitted they didn't have any tackling drills. That is horrible. It's, it's January. That is so bad. But no, here's a, a health official trying to pretend that they understand how sports can work. Oh, just do virtual reality and you'll be okay for game time. Don't gather in groups of 12 or more. Just, you know, put your headset on, do some mental exercises, and you can go out there and play a game. Give them the old college try. Are you, are you insane? Uh, so John Wilner, he follows up with this person and says, "Who this person did not want to be officially oh, quoted. Oh, I sure does not want to be either. It was probably the smartest Very thing smart. they did. <laughs> But John Wilner presses him and saying, look, practices during the week might be one thing, but when you have a game, you need 22 players on the field, 11 on defense, 11 on offense, and there's going to be some contact going on there. And then the official responded that teams could prepare by playing five against five. Contact is allowed just within the fixed group of players. Still not making sense to me what we're supposed to do here, sir. See, and this is why I just don't think that it's going to happen for for the Mountain West. Like, I know, I know we want to play football. Mark Ziegler, by the way, of the San Diego Tribune, Union Tribune, excuse me, wrote a really good article on the Mountain West Conference solely of what's still holding them back from being able to play football. Uh, in fact, we're going to have Mark on tomorrow at 5.15 uh, here on our show to talk about Mountain West Conference football and, and those obstacles that they're facing and why they're facing them and how they can, if they can break it. Uh, and right now I would say this is uh, where Mount West Conference is a long ways away from playing football. either Because I don't think, Eric, and I think you and I kind of discussed it with another individual today. If they don't play in the fall, they're not playing in the spring. Well, or at least I would say it would not be wise to play in the spring. Well, in the in context of... The news in the news cycle for the last 24 to 48 hours, the Big Ten announcement, suddenly there's this green light that has always been on in California for the Pac-12. Yeah. <laughs> We've just discovered as long as you prepare using VR and uh, air tackling, Jeez, uh, the Mountain so West, uh, notably, you know, every, as you could imagine, everybody's thinking, okay, Mountain West, everybody else is getting their stuff together. They're <laughs> figuring out a way to do this. They can still have games in the fall, and it won't totally screw up your calendar for the entire 2021 year. So the Mountain West releases a statement, which really isn't a statement, from Craig Thompson. Here here it is. Multiple subgroups within the conference are working daily on solutions to the existing challenges in order to facilitate a return to play for Mountain West football and other conference sport programs at the earliest possible opportunity. This includes finalizing a plan for frequent rapid response testing and continuing to monitor the status of public health directives in our Mountain West states and communities. Close quote. That, can you even tell me what the, he even said? Yeah. He basically said... That's a... Hey, we still don't know what the crap we're doing, but we're not going to play football, so don't ask. Yeah, we're, we're still talking to each other. <laughs> hey, we're still, we're still having Zoom meetings. Hang tight. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's actually a lot. 9315 just texted in there. California is idiots when 30 minutes down the road from USC, they're playing football. Huh? Playing gal. Well, I know that was a a big problem in the Big Ten with a lot of those states. Like, look, we got Little League that's playing. We have some high school that's playing. We have professional that's playing. Everyone is playing but us. And so that's why they were really frustrated and why that was such a loud chorus of complaints in the Big Ten footprint. In the Pac-12, it has been a little bit different because there are a lot of things that are shut down. But now that the NFL's going, we've Major League Baseball's been going, Major League Soccer's been going, and the Pac-12 made this deal so they could have rapid, regular testing. So, like everything's pointing to the Pac-12 that suggests we should be able to play. And Gavin, Governor Gavin Newsom says, "Yeah, sure, you can play. There's nothing that says you can't play, except there kind of is, yeah. but there isn't." Unless there is, Look, but there you, isn't. You can play with air, okay? You get you. I mean, just you got imaginary people out there. You're playing against. Put on your headsets now. Fall to the ground. Pretend like you got tackled. Yeah, that's just so bad. Which just put flags, you know, tie a little flag. So on look, your back. I mean, look, the Pac-12 wants to play, and I said this yesterday, Eric. The Pac-12 wants to play football. The governor's not allowing them to play, but yeah, the governor has just been all over the place too with this whole entire situation. And I think today, <laughs> today proves why Larry Scott needs to be gone as well. I think Larry Scott's just as big of a problem as anybody else here. I don't see this as a Larry Scott issue. I think this is a California issue because there are, it's so hard to know what's going on in that state because the governor is saying one thing and his directives have said another. Uh, There are different communities that are some health districts and some counties that are far more restrictive even though there are some counties in other parts of the state who have different rates of infection, but they have fewer restrictions. There are more, the, the rate of infection in Utah is higher right now than it is in California or Oregon. Huh. How does Larry Scott not stay in communication with Gavin and, or Governor Newsom? To get a day-by-day, and I'm, and I'm being literal here, a day-by-day report of the situation that's going on. Of what we're exactly dealing with. Has things improved? Have, th- have things progressed or digressed? Or, uh, and then to have this conversation where, um, I don't know, I just feel like Governor Newsom kind of threw it all on Larry Scott and put him underneath the bus. But Larry Scott, uh, I don't know if he really, I wouldn't say he didn't fire back but hasn't really stuck up for himself in the whole situation, too. He, as big of a mess as the Big Ten is, I think the Pac-12 is in the worst situation right now. John Wilner has an update. Oh, good. According to sources, after speaking to Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott, Newsom's office reached out to USC officials. The plan is to fast-track revision to controversial 12-person cohort max. That shifts focus to local health, an easier hurdle for the schools. This is big. Okay, so 
Uh, explain that to me like I'm a three-year-old. So basically, uh, Larry Scott and Governor Newsom had some conversations. He's seeing that there's the problem with this 12-person kind of maximum group that the, the state already has put in place. And they're going to uh, get together to make some revisions to that that would ease some of those restrictions and take it away from a statewide mandate to being more, uh, allowing those decisions to be made more on the local level based on the county or those health departments in uh, various locations throughout the state. So rather than having a blanket statement for the entire state, they're going to revise that to allow different local health organizations, local counties, make some of those decisions on based on the rates of infection and what's going on in their local communities. Oh, that's kind of them. Which, why wasn't that done months ago? Thank goodness Utah took that approach a long time ago. Because what, what is good for Salt Lake County is not really the same thing at all for Sevier County or Grand County or Cache County. But that's California doing what California does. Hmm. <laughs> oh, just practice five on five. Practice against the air. Have a yoga instruction of you tackling somebody. <laughs> mental drills. That, that's the yoga. What the heck's a mental exercise? I would have honestly quizzed him. I said, so, sir, how would you do a mental exercise in covering or throwing against a cover two with an inside linebacker on a blitz? What would you mental exercise and how would you go about it? I'd make him just like describe it to me so I know what I'm looking for. <laughs> and if he gives you some bullcrap answer, I'd push for one. Oh, well, sir, you Lord. said it could be done, so tell me how it could be done. Oh, it's just what in the world is going on? <sighs> Wonderful. That's great work. Hey, uh, some other news from the Division One Council. Uh, Division One student athletes will not practice and or compete among other countable athletically-related activities on the first Tuesday after November 1st every year. What that means is the Division I athletics says you shall not practice, you shall not play, you shall not have any official activities on Election Day. We do not want to provide a distraction or something that may prohibit anyone from participating in elections. Which, you know what? I think that's great. I, I wish more people and more organizations took that civic duty more seriously. Mm. I, there's been a lot more about it this year than, than a lot of years. But uh, I think that's a great move. I applaud that move. Yeah, it, it kind of shows the growth and maturity, right, that we're seeing in front of our eyes. Now it's based on things going on and the way they've been happening, uh, both I don't know how to even say the word morally and politically, but no, I think we're on the right track, and uh, I'm with you. I think it's a great decision, and hopefully I'll continue to uh, progress and that more people will fall, follow and fall behind uh, this, uh, I don't know if it, the regime is the correct word, but just this, this way this of decision. doing things. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know what? I, I really tire of people who love to complain about the way things are in politics, but then will also admit that they've never voted. It's like, that, you, you yeah. don't 
That's right, a you whole different animal than you don't get an opinion yeah. there, my friend. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, there's still a lot to get through today. Uh, oh, geez. What a, yeah. Let's shift uh, for just a little bit to the NBA. Coming up um, at 440, we're going to have a conversation with Dave Simmons, play-by-play announcer for the Ridgeline Riverhawks. Yesterday, we spoke to John Newbold for the Skyview perspective of this big matchup on Thursday between number one and number two in the state. And uh, today we get the Ridgeline perspective. Uh, also, we got the All-NBA teams, um, more about the Big Ten and the Pac-12 announcements, NCAA basketball, what that looks like, some crazy playoff games yesterday, a lot more to pack in today here in the Full Court Press. We'd always love to hear from you, your questions or comments, 435-339-0321 here on the Full Court Press. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Andre Salveson. Uh, Big Ten is going to go forward with a college football season. Pressure mounting on the Pac-12 to do something similar. A lot of controversy in California on what could be done to get themselves in a position to have a football season. Uh, just strange interpretations of the rules. Hey, so um, I kind of voiced my opinion about what happens with Mount West Conference football. Where do you stand? I think if the Power 5 schools are all playing, I I don't know how the Mountain West cannot find a way, try to find a way to start playing in November. If they don't play starting play in November, I don't see how they play in the winter or the spring. Yeah. I think too many people will want to opt out. Too many coaches will be concerned about how it messes up their calendar for 21. And I think you miss an entire football season if you do that. I mean, the technology is there. Uh, I mean, how expensive is it? Um, that's That's certainly a big question. Utah State has never published... You know, how many positive cases they've had on their football team. So we don't know how widespread it's been, what they've been dealing with. But we've seen football teams have uh, positive cases, and you know what? They have to postpone or cancel a game. That's happening. And it's gonna, there are going to be other cases like that that will happen. We've seen it in high school football. But... They take football is uniquely situated that you take a break, you miss a week, but by the time that next game rolls around, you've had enough time of separation and isolation that you can start to bring guys back and get ready for your next game. So what about Hawaii? What about New Mexico? Are we do we just turn to the fact that I mean California? I think ends up playing. I think that California gets San Jose State and Fresno State in if. USC and UCLA are playing football. I think San Diego State, Fresno State, San Jose State, those teams are are given to be in to play football as well. But you're still left out with New Mexico and Hawaii. Um, 
which, look, Hawaii is just too difficult, especially with the 14-day protocol quarantine period where when you get there, it's just it's too much. And New Mexico is in a situation where their governor has told them, I don't want you out there on the field playing football. So that puts us down to what, eight teams? Eight? Well, no, more than eight. Probably around no, 10? be 10. There's 12 football <clears throat> playing schools. I think it's good. But I don't think the Mountain West can say, we're going to go forward except for you guys. Why not? Though? I think a conference has to say we're all we're in united. it or we're not. Because if you get left out, I mean, I'd, I'd file a lawsuit the next day. What, what, what are you going to say to the lawsuit? Hey, we didn't get a play. We're part of this, this conference. You should delay and wait until we're ready to go. What makes them so special? It's, it's, a, it's an unfair competitive advantage. How is it an unfair competitive advantage? Who? Well, these other schools are going to go recruit. Hey, come play with us. Commit to us. We're going to play. You don't know what you're going to get if you go over there or that school, that state. I'm not buying it. I mean, look, look again, if you're the conference, you blame your governor. You blame your local state health departments or whatever. You can't blame the Mount West Conference and say, hey, it's your fault that we're not playing. No, it's really not because we're playing. <laughs> you're invited. You've always been invited to the party. Okay? You can either sit in your room and look throughout the window or you can go do something about it. But we're going to play. 9315, text in again. 9315, very active on the uh, text today. Love it. Today. Love it. Thank you. Uh, I think if California can officially get going, they will be the domino that makes it so all others, those other states can play football. Nah, I'm not buying that one, though. I wish that was the case, but it's not going to be. I think Hawaii's going to look at it and be like, good luck with that COVID rampage you're going to get. That's, I mean, that's what Hawaii's thinking. But it's, it's not like here are just vacationers coming from wherever and they don't know what they were doing before they came to the island. Hawaii can say, are you following the, the protocols? Are you testing regularly? They know, like this group of people who's coming to the island, the things that they're doing, the protocols that they're taking, the, the steps that they're following before they even land. And so they, they know what a team is doing before they get there. And they're going to be isolated in a hotel. They're not going to go all over and spread all over the island. They're going to be in isolated locations, play their game, fly in the day before, do your walkthrough, play the game, and get out of there. That's simple. I, I think they could make it work. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I just I think there's a lot more questions than that. And I mean, again, the New Mexico governor is is so set on them not playing. And I don't think she changes her mind just because California decides to go all in because California has the pressure all put on them of the Pac-12 conference. Remember, the pressure's not on California because Mount West Conference. The pressure's on California for the Pac-12. They're not thinking about Mount West Conference football. Because the money's coming from the Pac-12. It's just, I, I think that if the Mountain West can't, if if the all the Power Five schools or conferences, if they're going by November, if they make decisions within these this next week that they can all be going in even late October, 
And the Mountain West is still sitting on the sidelines. I'm, I just, I just don't get it. Well, I mean, well, I, don't why, I don't know why the Mountain West can't figure it out. Because you're, if you can get games in, you're going to have a six-week window there with no students on campus between mid-late November through the first part of January. You can get that's a big chunk of your that's a majority of your football season. If you're concerned about spread, community spread, or getting it from other people, yeah, know. no, that's uh, that's a good point you bring up. Um, again, I think there's, I think there's a lot to a lot to sort out between states or teams or whatever. Um, Uh, sorry. Uh, there's, there's much more to, to hash out, but again, I could be, but you're right. Maybe the Mount, maybe the Mount West conference does get their crap together. Uh, two, one, nine, seven text in. So the Mountain West should sue NCAA because of competitive advantage. Oh, Mountain West should, should sue the NCAA because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Someone should sue Mark Em. Is it Mark Emmer? Someone should sue that guy for uh, just being in the position he is. Uh, yeah, that's a good. I like that answer by two one nine seven. One more from nine three one five. One good thing would be you and I have to see that old ugly stadium in California at San Diego State if they don't. Play. Actually, that's not. You're not going to see it anyway. Yeah, you. Yeah, so that's not true. They're actually going to play at a different stadium. They're going to Carson, California, yep. where the Chargers played last year. It's a major league soccer stadium in yep. the L.A. suburb. So let's load on a bus every Saturday. If you're the Aztecs, head north for an hour and a half. If you have good traffic. So, yeah. No, San Diego State's already making a decision to play somewhere else this upcoming year. Uh, Whether it be this season or the 2021, well, continuing through 2021. So, I, I mean, testing, yes, it is an expense, and it is something that smaller conferences, smaller schools don't have it in the margins to do. I mean... It's already you know, pretty pretty scary if, right now with these budgets. What if? But if you don't figure something out, I don't see a way that, that the Mountain West is going to play football in this. But spring. you want to see it figured out by when? You want to see a season start by when? I think if the Mountain West is going to get a season in, then it would need to start late October, early November, even mid-November. At the latest. I think you could still make it work if you start mid-November. If you're only doing conference only and you're you're playing games through December and even regular season games through the first weekend of January. Because I don't think a season will happen. I don't think games will happen unless they happen in the fall. Yeah, I'm with you. I think if you start by end of October, you got a shot. The question is, is do you play non-conference games or conference games with it? I well, think 
I think they can only do conference. Conference games only. I mean, maybe they do a conference plus one, but at this point, who else are you going to play? Pac-12 has already said they're only going to do conference. All the other group of five conferences that are playing, they already have their schedules. So I think it's just, let's do conference only. Let's get a season in and let's call it good. Let's not worry about non-conference and how that affects strength of schedules and bowl opportunities and all these other things, college football playoffs. Just just get games in. Yeah, get games in. Yep, I agree with you. End of October would be a, a great way to start. All right, we've got to step aside. Let's talk about some high school football. Big one coming up on Thursday. Big game between the number one team and the number two team in the state. Latest uh, RPI rankings released earlier this week. Skyview, Ridgeline face each other on Thursday. We'll hear from the Ridgeline point of view. Dave Simmons will join us next. He's a play-by-play announcer for the Riverhawks on 104.5 The Ranch. He'll join us next here on the Full Court Press. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. A big weekend in high school football. Actually gets started early on a Thursday. The game got moved up. After the UHSAA first round of RPI rankings were released on Monday, Skyview number one, Ridgeline number two in the state, and that game will be those two teams face each other, and they will be played. That game will be played in Millville. And uh, yesterday we got the Skyview perspective. Today we get the Ridgeline perspective. Dave Simmons calls the play-by-play for the uh, River Hawks. He joins us now here in the Full Court Press. Dave, thanks for your time tonight. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, this. First, before we get into the matchup for tomorrow, I think we have to discuss how the last game ended uh, and the the last battle that Ridgeline had. It was a great battle with the Bear River Bears. It was a back-and-forth game uh, and controversy at the end. How did you see how that game ended? Well, let's back up a hair. It should never have been to that point. I mean, that's the... I think you talked to a lot of the maybe Ridgeline fans. There were... Main, there were four plays, big plays Bear River had total the whole game, and and they kind of came to be the the that was the main difference of the thing. Look look at this number, just check out this. Of the 202 yards that Bear River had on the ground, two 150, I think it was low 150, 152 something like that came on two plays, two plays, and those both went for touchdowns. So, you know, you, you got to mop those things up. But from my perspective, I was up in the box, obviously, and I was on the far side of the box. So I had, I don't know. But the, it was kind of a Hail Mary-type pass. The kid caught it. The, the ref was standing right there. I mean, right there. It, got, it was gutsy of him to make the, what all of us on the Ridgeline side perceived as the right call. Um, but because he's, he's out there at Bear River, homecoming, the whole town there, and he, he made the call, but the guy was standing right next to it. So, I don't know. I Again, though, I kind of go back to the fact that it should never even have been that close. When Bear River cut that thing to seven, I looked at Nick Zollinger, I'm like, this is not good. Something crazy could happen here. And sure enough, they get down there. Can you can you imagine, had they called that a touchdown, and let's say Bear River decides to go for two and get it, 
And Ridgeline's standing there going, what just happened? We were up 14 five minutes ago. But they got out of there, and, and quite honestly, I think that they are a better team right now. I'm sure Bear River Faithful would say that's not the case, but from what I saw on both sides, I think that that, that uh, Ridgeline is a better team right now. So so Chris Wise, head coach of the Bear River Bears, he has a, uh, I guess they do a community and coaches show on 104.9, the ranch over in Box Southern County on Mondays. What did he say? Here, I didn't hear it. Here, I'll play it for you. He had two comments about the way that game ended. Uh, here's the first of the two comments. The head official gave me a call and said that was just a blown play. No. Blown call. So, and I, and, uh, you know, my whole, my whole thing was, and not to, not sour grapes because we're moving on, but the thing, the thing that we're really trying to teach our boys from that is never again leave doubt. So he says he got a call from a head official saying that it was a blown call. And then he had one other comment saying that the officials were out of position, and that's why it took them so long to make an official call. Here's what he had to say about that. Josh put it put it right where it needed to be. Um, he kept his feet and had the wherewithal. That's what is amazing about these kids is the the body control. Um, he had the wherewithal to to have the ball hold the ball, and he was still up on his feet and knocked over the pylon, and had that ball extended. And as I said, they they were out of position and just just missed the call. Mm. You know, they're human too. See, then I missed that because I, from what I could tell from where I was, again, my angle wasn't good at all. It looked to me like that that sideline ref was right there, but apparently he wasn't. Well, I mean, but he's right though. It should don't leave it up to stuff like that. Yes, you know, like, that's really, when true. When it comes down to it, it's and, and you know, credit the pain kid. He had he had been hurt a, a game or two, and he came in and he played. Personally, I didn't think he threw a great ball. It was kind of up there all the time, and I kept thinking, geez, somebody go pick that thing off. But they fought and they battled. But but the bottom line is, is they had they had a couple huge plays, but over other than that, Ridgeline really did a good job holding them to – I have my stats here right in front of me. The Jones kid who was – by the way, he's a tough, tough kid. I had him – they had him with 110 yards rushing. 84 of them were on one play. 84 of the 110. The rest of the whole evening, um, Ridgeline held him in check. The, the UD kid had a 62-yard touchdown. These are unofficial because I'm trying my best from the box. But you figure that's about almost 150 yards of their 202 yards on the ground that came in in uh, one play or two plays. So throw those two plays out, which can't. It's a whole different ball game. Just a whole different ball game. But he's right. I mean, you don't leave it up to one one thing. And you know, credit Bear River. They fought, man. They came. They fought the whole step of the way. Uh, let's go ahead and talk Ridgeline because that's where the uh, focus is here. As you are the play-by-play voice for the Ridgeline River Hawks, uh, Dave. Great to have you on our show. Thanks for doing so. Uh, d- this Thursday night's game. Mm-hmm. Can you remember a game this big that you've called? And when was that? And who was it? Hmm. Great question. Um. Probably when I called the Logan State Championship yeah. a handful of years back. Mm. Obviously, that was a really big game for, for the Grizzlies. For me, at Ridgeline, no. This feels like about as big as it's gotten. Um, we, I, if, I don't know if you guys remember last year when we had some similar conversations. I told you how young that team was and how they're coming, and, and they're going to be really tough, and they're going to be hard to beat. 
um, we're starting to see that and the uh, the core of this team is is a heavy group of them are still juniors and but take nothing away this senior class is going to be hard to replace even with how good of a junior class they have with with you know guys like Miles Eck and Jaden Harris and Evan Webb and Carter Murdoch and Nate Nixon and Charlie Nelson these are all big parts of this team um, and they're seniors and they're hungry and they have a really good group of juniors with them that this it's a really really good team but they are going up against a team in or even a program you should say in Skyview that has been borderline dominant over the last three or four years at least and you know the the interesting dynamic to this whole thing is the coaching staffs who have essentially worked together at both schools over the last few years. Um, they know each other well. They're gonna. They're all probably thinking about this and maybe even overthinking about this on how they're going to counteract what the other school likes or what the other coach likes to do. It's really going to come down to execution and and how which of these kids step up because these coaches are going to really. They might even try to overthink the thing. Uh, so we look at the Skyview team, 22 out of 23 games they've won. I mean, it's just been a, an absolute train wreck for anybody who's gotten mm-hmm. in their way. And last year, 38 nothing winners over Ridgeline. What If there is a weakness, if there is a weakness in the Skyview team, where is it that Ridgeline can take advantage of them? Boy, that's a question to ask the coaches that have been digging all over in the, in the video and the film because I haven't seen them. I haven't mm-hmm. seen Skyview. You know, I, I can tell you... I can tell you that Ridgeline is super balanced, that they have weapons all over the offensive side. And if you're going to try to take one guy away, there's three or four other guys that'll hurt you. Um, from the quarterback to the wide receivers to the running backs, they have, they have weapons everywhere. And I think that's one of the biggest strengths for this team is Coach Cox, Coach Livingston have all those weapons, and it, you just pick your poison. You know, if you're going to double-team one guy, then somebody else is going to hurt you. So... Um, but I don't know the answer, AJ, to that. To that, AJ is if he, the, where is the weakness in Skyview? I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> well, I wish I did. <laughs> uh, not a, time, a lot of time left here, but from from your perspective and what you've seen, Ridgeline and how they've kind of progressed through the season, uh, how would you classify where they are now compared to where they began this year? A lot of people don't realize that they made a, a big change on the defensive coaching staff after that first game. Um, there were some disagreements on how things should be going, and so the defensive coordinator that was there is now not after that first game. And essentially what's happened is, is Coach Cox has become the uh, defensive coordinator. And, and normally he's a, he's a brilliant offensive mind, but he's left a lot of that to Coach Jeremy Livingston, who's also a really, really impressive offensive mind. But I think Coach Cox, in, in his quarterback mind, likes the offensive side, but he's really grabbed onto this defensive um, defensive scheme that he's put out there and simplified it to some extent over what it was going in the, pre, or in the, the weeks before that first game against Pineview. And, and if you remember, they gave up quite a few points to Pineview in that first game. Um, 38. Then since then, they only gave up seven to Farmington, seven to Woods Cross, and then the 27 last week to Bear River. Um, so defensively, they're getting they're they're becoming much better. And like I said, offensively, they have weapons all over the place. The thing about Skyview though is they're big and they're fast and they're well coached. And you know, there's it, 
this we've been over the last couple of weeks. I have friends out there, and we've been kind of chit chatting back and forth, saying there's a there's a big one coming. There's a big one coming, and you know had had Ridgeline lost last week, or had had Skyview stumbled over the last couple of weeks anywhere, maybe it wouldn't feel like this, but we all kind of saw it coming. And and you got a Thursday night on K Jazz. It's it's going to be rocking. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Dave, we only got about a minute to go mm-hmm. for folks that uh, want to tune into this game. Which will be me, by the way. <laughs> yes. Uh, remind people how they can find it on Thursday um, night. 104.5 on the FM side. I, but I still believe it's easiest just to hop on your smartphone and go to cashvalleydaily.com, click on the sports section, and then you should be able to navigate really easily to the, I think it says high school sports schedule or high school football schedule. Once you click on that, you can scroll down. You can just click on any school you want to listen to, and the broadcast will be right there. We'll be broadcasting at at Ridgeline, so I'll I'll make the call for not only the Ridgeline group, but also this, our friends out in Skyview. We'll make the call for them as well, and we'll try to stay unbiased as possible <laughs> through the whole thing. I got to let Nick know though. <laughs> but, but, but at the same time, well, our buddy John Newbold, he's he's not. He, oh, he's, he's a homer. Yeah, no we are getting around that. Very well aware of that. Hey, Dave, <laughs> thanks for your time. You're and one self-proclaimed, of the best. he'll be freely admits. <laughs> no problem, fellas. All right, thanks, Dave. Look forward to hearing your broadcast tomorrow night. Hey, thanks. Thank you. See you. Bye. Dave Simmons, Nick Zollinger. Dude, he is so good. They I have a lot of fun together. Said it numerous times. And I continue to say it. Those are great broadcasts. He's a black. I can't wait to be at home eating a pizza, listening to that game. And you'll hear it not only on one hundred four point five FM, but also here on one hundred six point nine FM, thirteen ninety AM, The Fan, or streaming online one hundred six nine thefan dot com. Uh, next hour, it's going to be heavy on the NBA. Oh, jeez. We got some big. Crazy games last night. The All-NBA teams have been released. A lot of NBA coaching vacancies. Which places look like they may be the most appealing and uh, or the least? We'll talk about that in debate next hour. Stick around. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The Western Conference Finals was supposed to be the battle for Los Angeles. Well, the Lakers held up their end of the bargain, and we expected the Clippers to do the same. But the Denver Nuggets had a different idea. They came back from a 3-1 deficit last night for the second straight time this postseason to shock the Clippers in advance. Game 7 came down to the Stars, those who showed and those who did not. Jamal Murray scored 40 for Denver. The Joker was brilliant with a triple-double. Meanwhile, Kawhi and Paul George struggled in the second half for Los Angeles. The Clippers seemed to act like they could turn it on when they needed to. Well, that's a dangerous way to play when you run into a team like Denver. It's a disappointing end for a franchise that expected to go all the way after adding Leonard and George. Maybe some people are disappointed we won't see that Clipper-Laker matchup, but the Nuggets should be taken lightly, and hopefully they'll be part of another thrilling series, this time with the trip to the NBA Finals on the line. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.